منكم منكرا فليغيره بيده فإن لم يستطع فبلسانه فإن لم يستطع فبقلبه وذلك أضعف الإيمان رباه مسلم الحمد لله brothers and sisters we're continuing with uh, these ahadith and these narrations and this compilation of 40 hadith uh, which was compiled by Imam Nawawi. Now every Muslim should have basic knowledge of what they believe in. And from the basics of the knowledge of Islam is these 40 hadith of Imam Nawawi, which every hadith in this chapter basically is a fundamental principle of the deen of Islam. And when, you know, when we say we believe we're Muslim and we have a faith and we believe in something, then it's really important for us to at least know fundamental basics of what our religion is and what it says. In the recent discussions regarding abortion and transgender and LGBT and all these things, I've been speaking about it in detail uh, in the Juma Bayans, those people who uh, are there, they know. And one of the reasons why I've been discussing it is because of the fact that all of these matters, believe it or not, have been clarified, detailed, and explained in our Sharia, in the Quran, and in the Sunnah, in, in a very clear and, and, and crystal clear, pristine manner. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says that this Sharia and this deen that Allah Ta'ala left us upon, Layluha kanahariha. The day of it is like the night of it. The night of it is like the day of it. In other words, there is no ambiguity in our Sharia. There is no uh, confusion, alhamdulillah. But there is confusion for those people that have no acquaintance, for those people who have no knowledge, for those people who doesn't have any um, connection. So this is why these majalis are so important. These gatherings where the Quran is being read. What, what is in the book of Allah Ta'ala? What, what is this? What is this all about? Because you have to understand, as a human being living in this modern world, right, through your eyes, through your ears, your heart and your mind and your whole perspective is being bombarded by a, uh, an, an, an objective, by, by, by a vision, by a purpose. There is a purpose out there. There is a movement out there. Right? There is a, um, uh, a wave of ideologies out there that want to influence all of humanity. They want to influence all of humanity. Why, why is it Disney cartoons? Just somebody can explain to me, why does a five-year-old watching a cartoon need to know about same-sex or opposite, even opposite gender or same-sex relationships? Explain that to me. Why is this really important? Why does this have to be, you know, shoved down their throats? I don't understand. That in every single Disney cartoon that's being put out there, there has to be some elements of this um, lesbian, gay, bisexual, you know, and the list goes on. Why, why does that have to be there? You know, why isn't, if, if the same thing about a religion would be there, there would be Islamic elements pushing Islam upon the public, pushing Islam upon viewers. What would be the situation? Pushing God, pushing Christianity, 
or conservatism, what, what, would, what would the situation be? It would be completely opposite, right? It would be, a, you know, people would make a big commotion and a hoopla about something like this. But this is what, what is happening. So we, we have to understand in the modern world and in this day and age that we're living in, there is an agenda being pushed on us. And if you don't, if you don't stand up, learn your deen, get to your basics. And the, the, the 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawi is the basics. Every hadith in this book indicates to a fundamental principle of our religion. And I will, I will, I will say you know, with, with confidence, it's not appropriate for a Muslim to be ignorant of any principle that is in this book. If, you are, if you're not aware of any principle that is in this book, then you're ignorant. You need to educate yourself. I believe what Imam Nawabi brings in this is faridatun ala kulli muslim. He doesn't bring superfluous matters in this. He doesn't bring side discussions in this. There is no side discussion in the 40 hadith of Imam Nawawi. That's why I selected this. That's why I wanted to read it. That every hadith is a major principle in Islam. And you cannot afford in this day and age that you or your children or your family or the people who are in your close vicinity remain ignorant of these matters. You can't afford it. You understand? I was walking out of the masjid yesterday and there was a, a, you know, brother that I hadn't seen him in many years. And he lives in San Francisco. He grew up in San Francisco. And he told me my niece or my nephew goes to public school. So one day my seven-year-old nephew comes home with the rainbow flag and says, uh, Baba, can you tell me who is my partner? Who is my partner? And then he explains, you know, Beta, this is, you're too young for this. This is not something you should worry about. He said, Baba, but they're so nice. They're so nice, Baba. How can this be something bad? This is not something that is bad. They're so nice. They have such good, and this, the, the little boy is just, you know, talking and explaining. I just want to know, you know, who is my partner? In it, subhanallah, wa la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. You know, that, you know, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions a verse of the Quran. Uh, it's so beautiful. Surah An-Nur, where it talks about children that are not of age, who... لم يظهروا على عورات النساء لم يبلغوا الحلم ولم يبلغ ولم ولم يظهروا على عورات النساء that it's it's the ayah about hijab and it says who are those people who can enter in a room with with a woman uncovered يعني to uncovered hair we're not talking about uncovered but but you know what they call the lesser aura any the lesser aura where women can sit amongst themselves and not have to cover their hair and they're sitting in a gathering of ladies so who can enter from amongst them the i mean the way that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses this word is like i'm saying everything is in the quran these these beautiful uh principles that we get and though and, and then one one of those who may enter and a woman does not have to cover herself in front of that that individual is uh, that, that child لم يظهروا على عورات النساء who it's, it has not become clear to them what is the uh, sh- what is the shame of women what are the um, 
uh, how do you say, the, the private matters of women. They're not, they're not acquainted with the private matters of male and female. Yani they, don't, they, they don't have the understanding. They're not of that level of maturity to perceive or understand matters of sexuality. This is, the, this is a usul. It's a beautiful usul from the Quran that they can go and they can sit in front of females and see a woman without her hijab because she has not reached that, that, that child has not reached the maturity to understand the matters of sexuality. And what happens? What happens when you expose something before its time? There's another usul, there's another principle in Islamic jurisprudence. And that, that, that principle is um, من عجل شيئا قبل أوانه عوقب بحرمانه من عجل الشيء قبل أوانه عوقب بحرمانه Anyone who hastens a thing before its time will result in loss, will result in uh, losing that thing. Anyone who hastens a thing before its time will result in or the consequences of him hastening something before its time then it will result in him losing that thing now this is used in in in, in mu'amalat and fiqhi matters that for example um um I, this is this is a this is this is where it's applied i don't want to get too technical but let's just say uh, a, a person who is on his deathbed and he knows that if he passes away then in his inheritance his wife is going to receive a certain amount of, of money of his estate so he knows the doctor said you have a month to live so he's on his deathbed and he's maradul wafat so therefore he gives talaq to his wife you understand this is called talaq al-far so he's intentionally divorcing his wife so that he can do what? He can uh, deprive her of her hissa, of her portion in the inheritance. Does everybody understand that? What do the fuqaha say about this mas'ala? Pretty, pretty sophisticated masala. People think that, oh, what do people do when they sit in a madrasa studying the sharia? Or maybe they're just sitting around eating biryani all day, all day long or something, learning how to you know, stand on the mimbar and give a talk. You, I could give you a, a crash course on imamat in four months. You'll be a qualified imam. Four months. Less than that. Four months is a, I could do it in 40 days for you. You could be an imam. You don't need to study seven years to go and give a khutbah or, or, or lead prayer. You could do it in 40 days. And then after that, just work on your Quran. Make it a little bit, you know, you know, go up and down a little bit when you're reciting. And then you'll be a proper imam. You don't need to study seven years. But these are those masail. Now, what is the shari hukum in this matter? That a person is giving divorce to his wife so that he can deprive her of inheritance. What is the, what's the fatwa? The fatwa is what this, this uh, principle that I read before you. Man ajjala shay'a qabla awanihi uqiba bihirmanihi. 
Anyone who hastens a matter before its time will be deprived of its result, of its fruit. Will be deprived of its fruit. So in this situation, what is he doing? He is trying to hasten something before its time. He's divorcing his wife, premature divorce for no reason. For the objective of depriving her, therefore this talaq that he issued will not be valid. He will be punished or he will be, it will result in the, uh, the, the talaq not becoming, uh, it, will, it will not be active, it will not pass. That divorce is not valid. And this is called talaq ul-far which is not considered in the Sharia based on this principle. This is muttafaq alayhi masala. This is not a, even of a difference of opinion that Shafi, Maliki, Hanafi, Hanbali. No, this is talaq ul-far. It's not acceptable. And this is the principle that it's based on. That when something, somebody hastens something before its time, it will be invalidated. This is this principle when it's applied in jurisprudence, in law. But what about this principle when you apply it in everyday life? It's applicable in everyday life. And how it's applicable in everyday life is when you hasten something, let's just say in this situation, you want to hasten maturity before it's time. You want to hasten the understanding of sexual matters before it's time. What will it result in? It will lead to deprivation. It will lead to something becoming invalid. Something being lost. When you hasten maturity and hasten that which was meant for 18, that which was meant for 21, and you hasten it at 5, at 7, do you know what happens? You have now taken away and you have the result of that, the consequence of that is that you have lost sanity. Not only maturity, it was, it, it, it's, a, it's a maturity that is brought upon, like giving a child that drinks milk, you start feeding it steak. You start feeding it rice and biryani and, you know, nihari and God knows what else. That child that cannot tolerate, what was going to happen to that child? It will, be, it will result in deprivation. That child's health, will, that child will not become healthy with that food. That child will suffer and the health of that child will be in detriment. The sanity of children is in detriment. The sanity of human beings is in detriment. See some of these people, they've completely lost sanity. Their mental health state is completely, it's just completely gone. Do you understand? Because what they've done is they have, they've given all rights to the nafs. You know what this whole, one of the, one of the speakers in the, in the Senate, that today is a very, they were talking about Roe versus Wade. And I'm not going to talk about, it's, it's so fresh in my mind, all these, we're having all these discussions, ulama are talking about these things, so it's fresh on my mind, so I'm just blurting things out. I'm just venting here before I start. And the, the, the solution to all of, all of this and the confusion is whatever is in our deen, literally. The more you are acquainted with your deen, the more everything will be clear to you. The more you are acquainted with the hadith and the sunnah of the Prophet the more things will be clear and the more you'll say, oh yes, that's exactly what the Prophet said. Men will become like women, women will become like men. One of the signs of the Day of Judgment, of course. 
It's very clear. It's very clear. Men will be resembling women. Women will resemble men. Actually, it says men will become like women. Women were, this is this alamatu sa'a, which was told to us by the Prophet So when you're acquainted with that, subhanAllah, it increases your iman. Subhanallah, the Messenger had foretold this as a sign of the end of times. Otherwise, if you're not acquainted with that, you'd be like, oh yeah, wow, well, that's really, 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 it's really good, yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe, I, maybe I'm a woman. I, I really, I really like watch, watching cooking shows. I like cooking. You know, maybe I'm a woman. Oh my God, what's happening to me? And then you're, you're, in, this, you're in this society and this shameless environment. What is it doing? It's bombarding you with this... this, this this insanity. You know, oh, I don't know, maybe I am. You know, and I mentioned in, in, in my, in my Jummah Bayan, I mentioned this. In, in, uh, and, and I have no hatred for anybody. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows I grew up here. 40 years of my life I spent here. I went to elementary school here. I went to junior high here. I went to college here. I went to high school here. All in Newark. I lived here. There's, you know, this is, this is stupidity that any moment that you have any opinion, God forbid, other than their opinion, you're a bigot. God forbid that you should have your own opinion in America. I, you know, are we in communist Russia? Am I in communist China? I'm not allowed to have my opinion. And if I do, I'm a bigot. What country are we living in anymore? Is this the United States? What happened to freedom of speech and freedom of expression? What I want to believe, what I want to express. Well, that's besides the point. What was I saying? There was a young man. I'm fully acquainted with these issues. I'm not, uh, you know, somebody sitting in the corner of a masjid doesn't know what's going on in the world. These, this youngster came up to me. And I'll tell you, this youngster, if you look at him, he's about, you know, 25 years old. The way he walks, the way he talks, and all of his gestures is just like a girl. Completely feminine. Very good, devout, pious Muslim. Good person. But the way he talks, the way he gestures, the way he walks, everything is feminine to such an extent. He was sharing, and, and, and I want to share the, his condition with you, his ahwal, his, his, his circumstances. He says, you know, he, his walking, his talking, and everything is so much like a girl that he said that while I would be walking on the street, guys would stop the car and say, hey, you want to, you know, drive with me? And I, you know, he said, when I was a little bit younger, I would say, why does this guy want to give me a ride? But it's not that he wants to give me a ride. He was, you know, indicating towards sexual, he was making a sexual pass at me because the guy is gay and he sees that I'm feminine. So my point is, amongst his family, Everybody said, my family is telling me, oh, why are you like this? You know, you're gay, you're this, you're that. And they're just bombarding me with this. And everybody that I'm around, they're telling me I'm gay. Everybody that I sit with at school, my family. And, you know, family back home, third world country, you know. And they're like putting him down and making fun of him. Be a man. Dad doesn't know the proper way to talk to him. So he came to me and said, Sheikh, look, you know, is this my, is this my destiny? Is this what I have to become? Because everybody's been... I said, look. And I asked him some private matters. He said, yeah, I'm a normal man. I had to ask the private matters. Because sometimes, maybe biologically, somebody is not is different. Biologically, you're different, then that's a different issue. Do you understand? But he said, no, I'm biologically a man. I said, are you attracted to females? He said, yes, I'm attracted to females. 
I'm not attracted to men. But this is what people keep telling me. Is that what I am? I said, no, you tell people what you are. And I tell you, if you have feminine tendencies, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made you with feminine tendencies. This is called, you're more feminine. You're, you're, you, you have, you have uh, you know, more jamal. And you know, there's two sifat. These are two attributes. You have jamal and you have jalal. Certain people have more jamali attributes. They have more feminine attributes. They're not, they're not about working in the field or working out or, you know, uh, you know, manly and macho and these type of things. They're more chill. They're more relaxed. They're more, you know, whatever it might be. That doesn't mean that now you have to do a sex change. Do you understand what I mean? You have those tendencies. That's the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made you, right? You have those tendencies. Allah ta'ala made you. That's the way you are. You're beautiful in that way. And Allah Ta'ala didn't give you those other qualities. And that's fine. Allah Ta'ala didn't make you that way. Just because you have certain feminine tendencies does not mean that you're gay. Does not mean that you're homosexual. You, what are you? You are the one who knows. This is your, your, your biology. This is your inclination. Then you stay with that. I said, don't listen to any of these people. He said, Shaykh, thank you. Thank you for clarifying that to me because I was starting to get affected by all of these things that people are telling me. And this is what it is. This is you, 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 a person might have a little bit of a feminine tendency. A person might have a little bit more jamali side to them, more feminine side to them. And then you sit around with a couple of you know, weirdos and what are they telling you? Yeah, this is what you are. Go get a sex change. So my point being is that if we, if we don't acquaint ourselves with these matters, with the masail of our deen, with the Quran and the Sunnah, that's very clear. The Prophet mentioned why he prohibited that men should resemble women and women should resemble men. Why did he pro prohibit that? That he cuts the, the root of these influences that might make you something that you're not. This young man, he says, I'm attracted to females. He says, I have the biology of a man. I'm attracted to females. I have feminine tendency though, the way I talk, the way I walk, or the way I gesture. And I, I'll tell you, like, when I had first seen this, this person, you know, I, I was also having my doubts. It's a, it was, it's a tough one, to be honest. Until he kind of broke it down to me and explained to me that, you know, I don't have that, but this is what people are telling me. This is what my experiences are telling me. This is what society is telling me. To which that person or that human being who does not even have that inclination now is becoming something that he is not. And they're saying, we want, we, we want you to be yourself. Be yourself, that is not him. But he's not gay, do you understand my point? So this is, this is that, that, that kind of tricky, you know, that, that tricky spot where if you don't have a connection with scholars, with ulama, with people who have the guidance from the Quran and Sunnah, they'll just tell you, okay, go and, you know, destroy yourself, mutilate yourself. Go and destroy yourself, mutilate yourself, you know? And then 10 years later, and there's a huge, you know, percentage of people who commit suicide. And they have regret after what they have done. And it's over now, you can't reverse. With that being said, this is why this hadith, all the hadith in this book, which every single one of the ahadith is a fundamental principle of Islam. But this in particular, narrated by Abu Sa'id Khudri, we started it last week and we didn't complete it. Inshallah, we want to complete this today. Where the Prophet said, Man ra'a minkum munkaran Any one of you who sees an evil, let him stop it with his hand. 
And if you can't stop it with your hand, at least with your tongue. And if you can't stop it with your tongue, then at least consider it to be wrong in your heart. Because if you don't do that, This is the lowest level of Iman. My dear brothers and sisters, this is so applicable in this day and age that we are living in. That all of this munkarat that is around us. I will stand on the top of the mimbar and I will, I will talk about this. I will stand on the top of the mimbar and I will say about this because we cannot, I cannot be in the category of a person who remains silent while all this shaitanat is taking place. Masajid and masjid boards are choosing to take out entire story of Qawmilut. The story of Lut is being completely taken out of the Diniyat books. Why? Because of I don't know what. For what? The president of the board of the Mas Masajid going to a gay parade, a pride parade, with his children there and his wife in hijab. What, what, what musibat has come upon you? Your child? There's men in those parades walking naked, dry humping the ground. I'm sorry, we're in this time. I have to say, I don't care what you, you get offended, don't come and don't sit in my lecture. If you're going to be offended, don't sit in my lecture. Somebody was telling me, oh, you're talking about this. I said, don't come. There's thousands of masjids in this area. Don't come because I'm going to talk. If you don't like it, get out. Nobody, nobody stopped me from saying anything here. If you don't like it, don't say it. This is, this is the shaitan that's happening. People who are Muslim with hijab going to that, taking their baby in the stroller. With man wearing a thong and one is hitting the other in the backside with leather strap. Just, just imagine this. And the, 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 the board member of Masajid are at this gathering of shaitan. This is, this is what it is. To, to, to consider something that is haram, that one of the worst punishment of Allah descended upon this qawm, that till this day Allah Ta'ala has made that area ayatan lil mu'tabirin, a sign for those who take heed, a sign for those who take heed. The lowest portion of this, the, the, the earth, right? The lowest portion of the earth is, is, is in that area, the Dead Sea. Right? What is, what, what, what's going on? This is, a, this is a, a, a reality that exists right now, right in front of us. It's happening. There, they don't want anybody to know, know about that. This, such a haram is taking place. But what, what is going on? You know, I, uh, I consider that to be good. I consider that to be halal. Or I consider that to be jayz. Or there's nothing wrong with it. Or that's their lifestyle. Yeah, that is their lifestyle, but it's a haram lifestyle. That is their lifestyle, but it's a lifestyle that will bring the punishment of Allah upon everybody. Good and bad, you know, righteous and non-righteous. It will come upon everybody if we don't at least say. And if we said what we said, then we've com conveyed our thing. My concern is not so much what others are doing. What others are doing, as we say, we're Americans, they have a right to do whatever they want to do. But as Muslims, as a Muslim, you don't have a right to say what Islam is as a Muslim. As a Muslim, I'm not talking about as an American. As an American, you do whatever you want to do. But as a Muslim, you have to believe that what Allah has made haram is haram. And what Allah has made halal is halal. And we cannot remain silent about something like that. Anybody who sees a wrong that's being committed, he has to stop it with his hand. If not with his hand, with his, with his uh, you know, 
with his tongue. If not with that, at least consider it bad in your heart. You don't need to go and become, subhanAllah, you know, Salahuddin Ayyubi tomorrow. This is not what this hadith is saying. Go become Salahuddin Ayyubi. Make fatah of Aqdas, of Quds. That's not what it's saying. This is my, my, my urge. Masjid board, consider it wrong. Please. This is what the hadith is saying. You can't do it. You can't talk. You don't have the courage. Fine. You can't stop it. Fine. In your heart, you're going to support something like that? Remember one very important thing about this. Lut wife, she did not commit any homosexual acts. Lut wife, number one, she's the wife of a prophet. She's the wife of a prophet of God. Okay, understand this. Number two, she had no affiliation in the behavior and in the actions of those people. She was, she was, a, she was a chaste woman. She was a chaste woman. Do you understand what is chaste? Her privacy was with her. She was loyal to her husband. She's a chaste woman. So she's the wife of the prophet. She's a chaste woman. She's a pious woman. But she supported and looked back. She supported that evil. She did not consider that to be haram. She did not consider that to be evil. And she looked back towards the people while they were, that the punishment was coming upon them. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala turned her into a pillar of stone. And the punishment came upon her as well. What do we understand from this? That it is not just a matter of being involved in a lifestyle like that. But we as a Muslim, in your iman, in your belief, in your heart, this hadith necessitates. Right? With his heart. An amazing hadith that's mentioned, subhanAllah. A person who is in front of him, the sin is being committed. In front of him, the sin is being committed. And he does not accept it with his heart. It is as if he was not even present in that place. Listen to what this This is a hadith. In Jami'u Bayan, in the Shara of this hadith, Ibn Rajab Hanbali, rahimahullah, he brings. Ibn Rajab brings this hadith, it's narrated in the Mustadi Ahmad. Man hadara ma'asiyatan, the one who is present when a sin is taking place, but his heart does not accept it. His heart condemns that action. Ya Allah, what is this? This is happening. His heart condemns. It is as if he was not even present there. Allah Ta'ala does not take him into account because he condemned it and considered it wrong in his heart. And a person who is far away from a sin, listen, you're not even close. You're not even there. And what? Right? You like it. You wish that you were there. You support it. And you wish that you would have been there. Then what? What's the reality of this? It is as if you were involved in that sin even though you didn't commit it. So for, for a believer, for a Muslim, first and foremost, you have to know what you believe in. You have to know what is right and wrong. You have to know what is halal and haram. It's a very basic matter. And if this is what the deen says, then this is what the deen says. That is why the, 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 the LGBT movement 
is interconnected with atheism and godlessness. It's direct con connected with that. Either alter the religion, right? Give a, give a, give a, give a, just like a, a person can get a sex change, you give a sex change to the religion. Alter the religion. Make it something that it's not. Make, make an Islam that accepts gay marriage. Make that. Create that. Just like they made a Christianity that accepts it. Just that they made a Catholicism that accepts it. Just make it an Islam. Make it. Then they made it. They're making it. That's not Islam. Islam is submission. And that's why a person, it's hard. I know it's hard. It's not easy. But we can do it together. If you are with, with, you, if you are with company, if you are with other Muslims, if you are at the masjid, I have brothers who are struggling with homosexuality that are very, very close with me. They identify as a gay person, as a gay Muslim. Yani gay Muslim struggling with gay. Not, you know, gay Muslim in the sense of like, you know, this is what I identify and I'm proud to be that and this is my lifestyle. No, this is his tendency. He has this within him. He's struggling with it and he's always in touch with me. I have never closed the door in his face. I have never disrespected him. I've never mentioned homophobic statements to him or put him down or ridiculed him or made him his... He is more beloved to me than anybody else. He performs his five daily prayers and this is something that he struggles with in his life. And I, and I honor him more than anybody else because I know that he's going through this, this challenge. He's going through this struggle. Brothers and sisters, do we th 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 people think that maybe we're vilifying a community. It's not vilifying a community because if a boy and a girl, they have m relations before marriage, this is also a problem. It's not just about that community. It's a person who's... We, this, this is our faith. There are certain things that are jais and there are certain things that are not jais. There are certain things that are lawful. There are certain things that are not lawful. So it's not just about that community that are doing that action. Another person who might come to me says, Sheikh, I'm really struggling with pornography. I struggle with pornography. I'm addicted to pornography. I said, I will help you. This is also a struggle. Another person telling me, you know, I have this, you know, relationship, you know, a, a bad relationship with, with the guy. You know, and we've been having, we've been together for five years and you know, we're not thinking about getting married because, you know, what, you know, what can I do? I can't get out of this relationship. That's also an issue. That's also a struggle. So nobody should think that we're sitting here vilifying only a specific group of people. No, that's also wrong. And that's also a struggle. Everybody has their own struggles. And what we want everybody to know is many, a few things. Know what your dean says. And we know that it's a struggle, but that struggle will be made easy when you do it together, when you have mentorship, when you have guidance. I've had, you know, there's so many that I deal with. Alcoholism, drug addiction. These are, these are our brothers and sisters that are going through these challenges in their life. Do we vilify them? Do we cut them off? Absolutely not. And, this is, and when we're saying this, automatically, you're a bigot. Automatically, you're, a, you know, you're an extremist. Automatically, you're right-wing uh, extremist. This, no. This is what our faith says. This is what it allows. This is what it doesn't allow. There's a liquor store right on the corner of the street over here, right next to the masjid. Am I going to go and burn that down? In the Quran, it says it's haram. 
I'm not going to go burn that down. Right? But if somebody, as a Muslim, has an alcohol issue, is drinking that, I'm, I'm entitled to help that person come to the obedience of Allah. I'm obliged to help that person come to the obedience of Allah. That's it. It's submission. Right? Islam doesn't mean, you know, when, when I have something, okay, God loves everybody. This is, this is just the God loves everybody. Of course God loves everybody. That's why He sent a religion to guard you from all these things that are harmful. Stay away from that which is harmful. A person is drinking, destroying his relationships, destroying his marriage, destroying his life, putting himself in danger and saying, God loves me. Of course God loves you. That's why He doesn't want you to kill yourself. Of course God loves you. That's why He doesn't want you to destroy yourself. And if there is no speaking against that which is you know, wrong, what was going to happen? Why, why this hadith? This is a principle in our religion. This is what we, we have to realize. What this hadith teaches us. Any one of you who sees an evil, stop it with his, with his hand. And that's for you know, people who have the capacity to do it. Stopping it with the hand means what? You know, stopping it, making it unlawful at the level of governance. Right? Stopping it with your hand. You can't do that? Okay, that's the next level is kindly saying a kind word. Brother, you know, this is going to harm you. I love you. I care for you. And this drinking, this alcohol, this relationship, this wrong, it's going to destroy your life. And I really care and I, and I don't want you to hurt yourself. What was that? Is it the end of the world for somebody to say something like that? That is the, that is the epitome of mercy. That's not extremism. That's the epitome of mercy that somebody wants to protect you from harming yourself. There's a, you know, in, in, in explaining this hadith, anybody, any one of you who sees a, uh, any one of you who sees a, a evil being committed and let him stop it with his hand. I remember we were just, you know, a, a group of friends. So a friend took out a cigarette and put it in his mouth. So another friend, he just grabbed the cigarette from his mouth and he said, bro, not in front of me. And he just threw it. And the friends just like laughed amongst themselves how he just like nonchalant grabbed it at his mouth and he threw it. He said, hey, you owe me a cigarette. He said, no, not in front of me. I'm not going to allow you to kill yourself in front of me. And they just laughed it off and everybody was like joking with one another. Yani, don't do that in front of me. That's stopping it with your hand. But you're doing it and you're showing. If you don't, brothers and sisters, if we don't have this, what will be the example? The Prophet told us, if we don't have this, this principle in our religion, do you know what's going to happen? If we don't have speaking the truth, if we don't have stopping people from insanity, if we don't have this in our society, in our community, do you know what's going to happen? The Prophet said, he said the example is a double-decker ship where one group of people go to the bottom and the other people go to the top. And the people on the bottom of this double-decker ship, they said, you know, we're really, really thirsty. But we're not going to bother the people on the top of the ship. So we'll just make a little hole. I got the drill. You know the, the, those drills? I got, I got the drill and I'm just going to make a little hole right here in the bottom of the ship. We don't want to bother the people on top. So the Prophet ﷺ said that if the people on the top of the ship they don't stop the people on the bottom of the ship from doing this, all of them will drown. If the people on the top deck, they don't stop the people on the bottom deck from making that hole, what's going to happen? Everybody's going to drown. Everybody's going to go, everybody's going to go down. Everybody's going to perish. 
And similarly as a society. You have certain people in society, they're going in a specific direction. And if other people in the society, with kindness, with mercy, with compassion, with concern, our religion, all of our religion is well-wishing for others. Well-wishing for others. If we were to understand one principle, how do I do this? How do I stop an evil with my tongue? How do I stop an evil with my hand? Do it in the same way that you would want to be corrected. If you were making a mistake, if you were involved in something wrong, how would you want somebody to correct you? Think about that, sit down, make dua, ask Allah Ta'ala to inspire you, and then go and then guide that person. And this is a very beautiful word that I read. The mashayikh say, one thing is nasiha, and another thing is fadiha. Fadiha means disgracing somebody. And nasiha means guiding somebody, mending somebody's situation. And what we have been taught is nasiha. Sometimes, you know what the Prophet ﷺ, when he would see that people would be doing something wrong, he would go on the mimbar and he would say, ما بال يفعلون كذا وكذا? What's wrong with those people that are doing this and that? He didn't say, hey, this person, Abdullah, you, I'm talking to you. Yeah, Zaid, Amr, Bakr, I'm talking to you. Yeah, you. What's wrong with you? He wouldn't ever do that. He wouldn't ever disgrace anybody. He would say, what's, what's the situation with the people who are doing such and such? So with that being said, the reality of guiding others and the usul of telling somebody and stopping what you call a munkar, right? it is to do nasiha. And nasiha, the best way of nasiha is to do it in a, in a private domain, not to do it publicly and openly. And another thing is, we have to see what is the condition of that particular individual. If you know that this person is receptive to your guidance, this person is receptive to what you are going to guide them towards, then it's necessary for you to tell them something. If you know that this person is completely not receptive, you know, the person before he punched him in the face because he came and told him something, then it is not binding upon you for you to tell that person. And how does a person then become receptive? Right? You have to build relations first. Now is not just something that you do and you go and you like, you know, like Bible thumpers, they just throw a Bible at you or they throw a Quran at you or they give you a pamphlet. You have to build relations with people. You have to interact with people. Right? I one time I asked my Shaykh, you know, Shaykh Hakim Muhammad Akhtar, Rahimahullah, I said, Shaykh, tell me what's the way of da'wah? How should we give da'wah? So Hazrat said, he says, Usko chai pilao. You know, give the person a cup of tea. Give them chai, make friends with people, interact with people. Right? So it's not an easy matter when people talk about Amr bil Maruf wa Nahayan Munkar. It's not an easy matter. The greatest da'wah, I'll tell you, is smile and treating people with good akhlaq. This is the first step of excellent da'wah feeding the people. 
helping people, philanthropy, right? If you see any Christian missionaries, where do they go? They go into countries, right, setting up hospitals and doing all of this and, you know, feeding and giving money to the poor and so on and so forth. All of it is objective of making the people receptive to their message. You understand? A person doesn't have the common sense that I'm going to go and tell this person about something. What should I do? I'm just going to tell him and I'm going to drop it on him. It's not going to have any athar. Right? You don't just take a seed and you just throw it on the dirt like that and then say, okay, this tree is going to grow. Does a tree grow when you throw a seed like this? You, want, you have apple seeds. You want an apple tree to go. You take the apple seed and you just throw it on the dirt. I'm just going to make it grow like that. No, you have to put it carefully, properly, in proper soil, and then you have to water it, and then you have to take care of it, and then you have to nurture it, and then you have to fertilize it, and then you have to give it sun, and then you have to trim it, and then you have to, you know, care for it. One day that you don't look at that, that poda, right? That, 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 that seedling that is growing. One day you don't give it attention, what happens? It'll die. That's how delicate da'wah is. That's how delicate guiding others is. Right? But it begins with, uh, uh, it begins with a concern. And because we're talking about munkarat here. ثُمَّ إِذَا عَلِمَ أَنَّ كَلَامَهُ لَا يُؤَثِّرْ هُنَالِكَ سَقَطَ عَنْهُ الْوُجُوبِ عِنْدَ أَكْثَرِ And if a person knows that it's not going to have any effect, then the obligation upon you will fall off. You, it won't be obli obligatory. And it was also said to the Prophet ﷺ, what is the meaning of this? O oh, you who believe, just keep to yourself. You will not be harmed by those who are misguided as long as you stay on the path of guidance. So the, the Sahaba asked the Prophet, Ya Rasulullah, this means that we shouldn't then enjoin the good and forbidding evil. The Quran says, Ya amanu alaykum anfusakum. O you who believe, keep to yourselves. La man You will not be harmed by those who mis, are misguided as long as you stay on the path of guidance. So they said, Ya Rasulullah, what does this mean? This means that we don't have to tell the people anything. Hold, keep to yourself. You will not be harmed by those who are misguided as long as you stay on the path of guidance. So, and this is Surah Ma'idah, ayat number 105. So the Prophet said, no. munkar. Enjoin the people for good. And encourage the people to stay away from wrong. Until when you see that people are obeying their greed. And they're following their desires. And people are giving preference to their worldly things. They don't care about the hereafter. And everybody's happy with their own opinion. Nobody wants to hear. Don't, don't tell me. Nobody's, nobody wants to hear somebody else's advice. Nobody's concerned about everybody. Everybody's happy with their own opinion. Everybody has an opinion now. All they need is a YouTube channel now, and all they need is a Facebook or a Twitter, and then, mashallah, you have, you know, ulama, mashayikh, muftis, they're giving fatwa without even having any qualifications, because everybody has an opinion. Now, after having opinion, mashallah, Twitter and Facebook has given you a platform. Your completely worthless opinion now has a space, and it has a platform. Even though, what's your qualification? I'm a concerned citizen. I'm a member of, of Facebook or I'm a member of Twitter. That's, that's my qualification. So this is the thing. Everybody is concerned with their own opinion. 
You will tell somebody, brother, this is what the, this is what the deen says. This is what the sharia says. He said, no, 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 no. Uh, don't tell me. I know. God is love. And that's their opinion. Okay. And then if you see this, وَرَأَيْتَ أَمْرًا لَابُدَّ لَكَ مِنْهُ And then you, have, you, you see that you have no choice in the matter. Then, فَعَلَيْكَ بِنَفْسِكَ Then in that situation, then you don't say anything. When you know that people have no concern for guidance, people don't want to learn. People don't want to be educated. A person knows nothing about Islam. They never even... I remember this situation when I was in college. I always tell this story. I was in college in San Francisco State. And a, a person came up to me, a Caucasian man, and he said, obviously you're a Muslim, because I was wearing a kufi. So he said, obviously you're a Muslim. So I, had, I read the Quran, and I wanted to ask you some questions about the Quran. So would you help me? And I'm like, obviously I read the Quran. I have not even read the Quran. I was 18 years old. I had not read the Quran up to that time. But I had an opinion about everything. My point is, is that, you know, we, we, have, to, we have to have this realization that, you know, if we don't know, there are others who know more than us. We have to submit to that. But this is, the, this is the issue in the times that we're living in. We don't know anything. And we know we don't know anything. But still I have an opinion. How is this? You know, nobody wants to be educated. Nobody wants to be told. Some of the people, this is, a, this is even the worst thing. Some of the people who never learned Islam in their life, and based on their ignorance, they have established opinions. They have YouTube channels that are teaching people about Islam. This is like insanity to the third power. It's like, imagine, I don't know nothing about gardening. I don't know nothing about gardening. I just went to my Uncle Bashir's backyard and I saw like amazing flowers and like a lemon tree. And I just made a, you know, a YouTube channel about importance of gardening. Just what's the insanity in that? And I'll just talk stuff. You know, uh, trees, they give too much shade, so you have to cut them. You know, and then some of these people that have these fruit trees, these zalims, you know, all their fruits go everywhere. And I think those people should be removed from society because they're ruining the sidewalk. This is exactly this Islamic shows of these people who have no knowledge about anything. And they sit there and just like throwing whatever in it. And you see the, you see the comments, right? Donkeys, right? Giving comments on, you know, donkeys giving a com comments on what the ostrich said. This is why you're living in a time that nobody wants to hear it. If you're in that situation and you know, then what? Then you can stay quiet. It's not binding upon you. Everybody has their own opinion. Everybody knows. Leave the matter then after that. After you will be days that just have patience. Just have patience upon your deen. Because a time comes where you try to tell people and everybody has, everybody has an opinion. And the time will be that holding on your religion, holding on to your deen is like holding a burning ember in your hand. A person who practices his religion in that particular situation, he gets the reward of 50 of the Sahaba. The person who practices his deen in that time, a person who is making amal and practicing his deen in that difficult environment, he gets a reward of 50. Right? And this hadith is narrated in Ibn Abi Shayba.
in the Musnad of Imam Ahmad, and it's an authentic hadith. Another important thing to take into consideration is when you're going to guide somebody, when you're going to be giving amr bil ma'roof wa nahin munkar, enjoining the good or forbidding the evil, you have to be aware of the condition of that person. Shaykh Ashraf Ali Tanwi rahimahullah, he was, he was tra traveling on the rail, and this is colonial India. These are the colonial times in India. In the 1920s, 1915, right, that time. So he said that, you know, I saw all different types of Muslims, and I said, you know, I should, I should uh, guide people, and if somebody is doing something wrong, I should do amr bil ma'roof wa nahyan in munkar. Right? So he said that I saw a person and his trousers were hanging so low that they were actually, they had filth on the bottom. And you know, if you have filth on your clothes, then your prayer is not accepted. So I said, you know, bhaijan, aapke takhne se niche hai, aapke jo patloon hai, takhne se niche. He said, this is your patloon is below and there's like some dirt there and filth, some najasat, maybe, you know, your namaz might be. He said, kahalika hai. Where is this? Where, do you, where is this from? He said, Shariat mein hai. He said, Aapki shariat ke aisi ke tesi. Right? You, I said, you know, to hell with your shariat, basically. What he's saying is, is that where, where, he said, where does it say that? That I have to lift my, where does it say that? He said, it says it in the shariat. He said, shariat ata guftum and all that. So I cussed his shariat. He said, to hell with your shariat. Maulana, at that moment, he said to himself, he said, that person at that moment may have been making a mistake. He was doing something wrong. He may have been making a mistake. But when I said that to him, he not only fell into mistake, he fell into kufr because he's cursing shariat. Somebody who curses, somebody says to hell with shariat. What is that? You're out of, you, you, you basically rejected Islam. Shariat is the law of, law of the religion. It's the law of the, Quran is shariat, basically. Shariat is Quran, Quran is shariat. So you're just cursing, he said, to hell with the Quran. If somebody were to say to you, to hell with the Quran. To hell with the Quran and hadith. Na'udhu billah, na'udhu billah. He said, I regretted this statement so much, and I made a promise to myself that I'm never ever going to just randomly to anybody, go and just do nahyan in munkar. Go and forbid the evil. Go, gung-ho. Go and forbid the evil on anyone. Well, you don't even know this person, you don't know what his condition is, and then you say this, and now he said, I realized before he was making a mistake, he was in sin. Now after that he became even saying statements of kufr. How sensitive this matter is, and how careful we have to become. How careful we should be, right? And there is no, subhanAllah, da'wah better than nasiha. And nasiha is, right, mending a person's situation, kind advice. This ayah of the Quran mentions it so beautifully. Call to the path of your Lord. With wisdom. Right? What is wisdom? This is how our mashayikh they explain. What is hikmah? Hikmah is knowing the individual and knowing the time. That sometimes it's not the time to say something like this. Sometimes this is not the time or the person to say it to. 
I'll explain to you a beautiful example of Mardum Shinasi and Mawqi Shinasi. Sayyidina Hassan and Hussein, radiyallahu anhuma, these are the two grandsons of the Prophet they were at the wuzu place in a pond. People were making wudu. And there was an elderly man, he was making wudu incorrectly. He was, putting the, he was splashing the water on himself like this. He's taking the water and he's splashing the water like this. This is how he's making wudu. And it's not correct. So what do you do? Do you, do you leave a person to do things incorrectly? No, you have to guide them and you have to tell them. But he's an elderly man. Now how are you going to teach him? How are you going to tell him without making him feel embarrassed? Without making this person feel bad? How do you guide him? So Sayyidina Hassan said to Hussein, he said, look, you see that old man? If we're going to tell him that he's making wudu wrong, he's going to feel very, very embarrassed because of his age. So what I'll do, I will make wudu incorrectly in front of you with him there. And then you correct me in front of him. And he says, oh, that's a good idea. So he started doing, he's doing like this. So then his brother said, oh, no, my brother, you should be doing it like this. You see, you take the water like this and you put it and you make sure that all the places is getting wet. And while they're doing this act, the old man, he realized, he said, subhanallah, thank you for opening up my eyes. And he said, truly, you are the grandsons of the Prophet ﷺ. Thank you for opening up my eyes and explaining this to me, something that I didn't know. If you would have told me, I would have never felt embarrassed because you are the grandsons of our beloved Prophet. But, he said, I truly know that your wisdom and your compassion and your mercy is beyond my imagination. Truly, you are the grandsons of the Prophet. This is da'wah. This is amr bil maruf wa nahiyanin munkar. It requires a lot of faham. It requires a lot of patience. It requires a lot of compassion and a lot of composure. Other, oh, jahil, you reach 80 years old, don't even know how to make wudu properly. Eat a psycho. Right? Look at this guy, he doesn't even know 80 years old how to make wudu properly. This is the way. Subhanallah, that's why that person will never come to the masjid ever again. This is why a lot of people, I don't blame them. Many people have become disenfranchised from the masajid. They've become disenfranchised from the deen. They hate the beard. They hate Quran. They hate everything about religion. And you know what? To a certain extent, it ain't really their fault. You have to be honest. It's not their fault. It's because things are done incorrectly. Instruction is given wrong. Things are mentioned to people incorrectly. And this is a fact. You don't like it, don't like it. We have to be ready to criticize ourselves as well. That we're not doing things wrong. We're, we're not doing things correctly. We're not teaching correctly. We're not instructing properly. We're not giving da'wah properly. We're not doing it correct. And this has become a cause of people becoming disenfranchised. So with that being said, Allah Ta'ala give us the understanding. This, this is the most beautiful thing to understand is three things. When you see something wrong and you know that something is going in the wrong direction, you feel an obligation towards it. Look at the situation. What's the situation? Look at the person. What's the person? And if it's really demanding that you have to say something to somebody, then tell that person in the same way that you would want to be told. And inshallah, this, it is, for me, it has never failed. May Allah Ta'ala guide us to understand what has been said. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.